From the Harvard Crimson, this is New Normal. I'm Kai McNamee. When I first pitched this series in summer 2020, I, along with all of my friends and peers, were facing potentially the most wild semester at Harvard ever. New Normal was an attempt to document a sliver of that experience. I talked to so many people and learned a ton, but we mostly focused on stories related to what it was like being an active student in the fall semester. Now, for this last episode, we have two stories about how the pandemic has impacted members of the Harvard community while not at school. The first story, from Crimson editor Jason Lamb, explores how COVID has blurred the distinction between Harvard and the, quote, real world. Here's Jason. When I asked Jeremy Ornstein what his favorite thing about Harvard is, he recalled one specific Saturday night on campus. I went and heard Devin play the cello. I went to one senior party. I walked around with some other people. It felt like just when the world is that big, it's like a big orchard with so many different apples to pick off. And I remember like going from the... That, Jeremy and that some friends bounce around campus, from hearing a friend play music to the Queen's Head pub to a dorm party by the river. Jeremy was ready to call it a night when his friend pleaded to him. Jeremy, you can go study tomorrow, or you can go do whatever you want tomorrow. Stay another half hour and staying, getting in this conversation. Jeremy stayed at the party, got in a conversation with a guy about books and films. And thinking, wow, this is fun, and laying on the couch and talking to these cool people wearing weird makeup. And finally, to end the night, Mike and Danielle, Gabby, Eric Evans, just sitting around the stairs talking, and then everyone brushes teeth that goes to bed. Oh, I love that. This story is on brand for Jeremy. He's the most spirited person I know, and I can tell that his experiences at Harvard are unforgettable. For Jeremy, Harvard seems to be a bubble, isolated from the quote-unquote real world. It's a place where these nights of aimless wandering and exploration are possible. I met Jeremy in high school, where we worked together on a youth political organization. He's always been passionate about social justice and innovative in his organizing methods. He introduced me to Zoom a few years before it was popular, even setting up breakout rooms on a work call in the summer of 2017. Jeremy is a year older than me, but took a gap year before entering Harvard, so we're now both in the same grade. I remember calling up Jeremy during his year off in between high school and college. He hated the term gap year, so we referred to it as Jeremy's gap, but no gaps in life year. After finishing freshman year together at Harvard, news broke that only rising freshmen would be invited to campus in the fall due to the pandemic. As a result, many Harvard students took off from school to not miss out on the Harvard experience. While the virtual nature of Harvard was the sole reason for many students to take a leave of absence, it was only one factor for Jeremy in his decision to take a second year off. No, I just remember my parents coming from parents weekend in the fall of freshman year and having eating some food with them and talking about how I wanted to consider taking time off during the election. And my mom was skeptical, but I sort of felt like I wanted to, to like go and put my time in the election rather than put my time in school. Jeremy used this semester to continue his organizing work with Sunrise, a well-known youth movement advocating for action against climate change. Jeremy's been working on climate activism since I first met him. When he arrived at Harvard, and I said, I'm here because of climate change. I want to stop it. Jeremy has been doing meaningful work during his gap year, but I can only imagine that he misses Harvard. Quite frankly, I wondered if he had any regrets as the fall semester at Harvard ends. No, I don't have any regrets. 
I could cry because if I don't have any regrets, why am I going to go to school next fall? Like, if I don't have any regrets, why am I going back? I understand why Jeremy feels tormented. The opportunity to be at Harvard is wonderful, but the ability to do real work during a time of great political, social, and environmental challenges is hard to pass up. And I think that, like, damn it, the choice between being in the world and doing active work in the world or, like, being in school and making, being a little bit more patient feels like like a choice when when do i invest in my own skills and my own thinking and when do i go out and invest in the world i'm someone who definitely thought of harvard as a bubble a world for young people to learn and socialize away from the stresses of the real world but this semester has challenged that dichotomy i don't think it's as clear as harvard versus the outside world Jeremy told me about this class at Harvard and a wonderful TF who helped him on a paper about W.E.B. Du Bois. When recently trying to set up a new team at work this fall, Jeremy recalled, I was thinking about these two tensions in my work of like getting immediate achievements done or getting this more mythic, like historical, mythic storytelling and thinking like, well, do we want to do concrete organizing or more mythic organizing? And then I remembered the title of my paper about Du Bois, which was like mythic power and tangible change. And I, re I reread my paper and I felt like, damn, this guy's amazing. This is what I want to do in moments like that, when I could go so deep into a subject again. And while Jeremy brings his academic knowledge to the real world, he's also planning to bring the real world back to Harvard. When recently canvassing in New Hampshire, Jeremy listened to a song with his friends. Every line of the song poses an existential question to think about. Right then, Jeremy decided. I'm going to sit in the dining hall and just ask everyone these questions. And I'm just going to take a deep breath and do it. But I wish that I could have gone to Annenberg and felt like I just could ask someone, tell me what lights up your eyes. Hey, what, what was hard for you today? Tell me about it. And practice real listening. And just tell myself, this person will have something beautiful for me, whether or not we're friends. They'll have something beautiful for me. It's evident that Jeremy is having a true education on all fronts. Jeremy goes to Harvard to solve pressing real-world problems, but also takes time off from school to tackle real-world problems. In a current global situation where nothing seems normal, it's obvious that Jeremy is taking advantage of every opportunity to learn. I know that there are times when I've got to give to the world. And there are times when I've got to put energy into myself or into my own questions. Like there are moments when we learn or, or do the inner work, not necessarily take, but do the inner work and other times when we do the outer work. The distinction between inner and outer work reminds Jeremy of some well-known thinkers isolating in the wilderness, like Henry David Thoreau's time at Walden Pond or Jesus Christ's 40 days in the desert. Jeremy has thought of his time at Harvard as when the inner work happens. I agree with the notion that Harvard is a place for the inner work to occur, but I also think that Jeremy's experience is a great example of the importance of both school and pursuing real-world work. Around a quarter of Harvard undergraduates didn't enroll in the fall semester, meaning hundreds of students had experiences like Jeremy's. I was one of those students too. I took the semester off to work in a congressional office and learn more about different career opportunities. So when we all get back to campus, we'll be taking those experiences with us. That inner work Jeremy described will no doubt be shaped by whatever we learned during our time off. Whether we did political organizing or worked at a bakery or just relaxed at home, those experiences will be unique. What I coined long ago 
as Jeremy's gap, but no gaps in life year, seems to truly describe Jeremy's time off from school. The difference between Harvard and the real world, between being a student and not, is a huge distinction for some, even a point of contention for Jeremy. But I think that the time we're living in now has shown us real education doesn't only take place in the halls of Harvard, and that Harvard can be more connected to the real world than we think. This next story is an adapted essay by Crimson editor Kalos Chu. It's called On Harvard Summers. Topping the list of spring semester conversation starters is the classic, what are your summer plans? And I'd say the answer is almost always some variation of I'm interning slash working slash studying abroad slash researching at insert name of company slash city slash organization. And if the OCS pamphlets are even semi-reliable, there are very few Harvard students who treat summer break as anything resembling a break. My plan for this summer, for instance, was to fly home after finals, spend a few days with my family, and then move to Los Angeles for an internship. I'd split my time between hanging out with friends in LA, making weekend trips to Disneyland, and visiting my parents back in San Diego. And when my internship had ended and I'd had my fill of the SoCal sun, I'd just go back to Harvard. A perfect summer. But this is not what happened. On March 10th, we found out that we were being kicked off of campus. On March 15th, I flew home to San Diego two months ahead of schedule and straight into a two-week bedroom quarantine. On April 7th, my recruiter called to inform me that my internship had been canceled. On June 8th, my dad was rushed into the emergency room. And on June 13th, he passed away, losing a five-year-long battle with cancer. And my world melted. Like most Harvard students I know, I'm generally a fan of being busy. I like filling my Google Calendar to the brim with sundry color-coded rectangles and feeling, at the end of the day, like I've made the most of my time, like I've accomplished something. And I'd say this fixation on busyness, on filling time, doesn't end with the school year. I'd argue it's a big part of why so many of us feel the need to define our summers by doing something. But when my dad passed away, the G-Cal dissolved. I'd wake up in the morning, rub the gunk out of my eyes, and suddenly it'd be three in the afternoon. I'd float from my bedroom to the bank, to the grocery store, to the funeral home, to the dinner table, as if my body was on autopilot and I was asleep at the wheel. For weeks, I felt the world around me march forward and I had no desire to chase after it. And yes, those weeks absolutely sucked. Deciding funeral plans isn't exactly made easier by a pandemic, but things also slowed down. I found that, for the first time in a long time, I had time to think. To really think. No club meetings or classes or work or assignments, no going out for food or gathering with friends, just me and my thoughts. I thought about my dad and his legacy, what it meant to live a life of meaning and love. I thought about my own legacy, how I wanted to live my own life, for my family, for myself, and what I wanted to leave behind when I'm gone. 
Heavy stuff, I know. And did I come up with answers? No, of course not. I'm like 19 years old. But the point is, I really seriously grappled with them. Not as a passing thought, not as a mental pit stop in between club meetings and study sessions, but as genuine self-reflection. And I'm only recently realizing how rare that actually is. Harvard is a place of infinite opportunity, of 50-plus concentrations and 400-plus clubs, of hundreds of things to do and thousands of people to do them with. Don't get me wrong, this is wonderful. But it can make you feel guilty about wasting your time here, about quitting clubs or changing concentrations or trying new things. It's like when you go out for ice cream. Sure, you might ask to sample a new flavor or two, red velvet cupcake or mango pina colada. But when it comes down to it, when you have to commit to a flavor to shell out five bucks on, seldom do you deviate from the same old mint chocolate chip you've ordered a thousand times. You become so scared of making a wrong choice, of wasting your time and money, that you go with the safe one instead. And I think the beauty of this summer, this slow, empty, quarantine summer, was that it gave me the time, the permission, the mental space to explore new flavors. I started biking again. I read a lot, the trashy YA romances that I adored in high school. I watched the Frozen 2 documentary, twice. And as I listened to Jennifer Lee explain the narrative nuances of Olaf for four hours, I had an epiphany. I realized that I wasn't actually interested in journalism, that what I really wanted to do was to make animated movies. I dropped my anthropology concentration, I cold emailed and called and Zoomed a bunch of people in the animation industry and just learned a whole lot. I also spent a lot of time with my mom. We talked and cooked and cried and laughed like we hadn't done in a long time. There's this quote from season one of The Legend of Korra that goes, when we hit our lowest point, we are open to the greatest change. It feels melodramatic to say that I've hit my lowest point at 19, but I don't know. Coronavirus, my dad, being deprived of tomato basil raviolini soup for another year, doesn't seem like it can get much worse. And I feel like I have changed. Not in spite of my dad dying, not in spite of coronavirus, but because of them. From the Harvard Crimson, New Normal is a podcast about students in the pandemic. It's produced and edited by me, Kai McNamee. The segments in this episode were written by Jason Lamb and Kalos Chu. Thanks to the Crimeds of the 147 who made this project possible, including Ryan Gajarawala, Allison Lee, and Shira Aviona. Also, big thanks to Yasmin Ammer for all your help along the way. Thanks for listening. <laughs>